It's nighttime, and two men are walking through a parking lot somewhere in Los Angeles. They're looking for a car, a very specific high-end luxury car, a Jaguar. It's a car that doesn't belong to them, not yet anyway, because these two men, they're car thieves, and their hope is that this high-end Jag will be their next victim. You ever feel bad about any of this? One of the men asks the other. Hell no, the second man responds. I'm Robin Hood. I rob from the rich and give to the needy. Using a lockpick, they quickly jimmy one of the doors open, and the two men get inside. You mean the poor? The first man asks. But the other guy doesn't answer right away. He's busy right now, sticking another lockpicking device into the car's ignition. And attached to this device is some sort of digital box that spins through a multitude of possible start codes in a matter of seconds. No, the man replies, I said the needy, because brother, we need this car. And right on cue, the car starts. And the two thieves and their newly stolen Jaguar drive out into the night. That scene was from the year 2000 Nicolas Cage classic film, Gone in 60 Seconds. And rewatching that movie made me think of two things. One, Nicolas Cage's bizarro sense of timing might just make him the greatest actor in the world. And two, stealing a car seems super easy. A couple seasons ago, we did an episode of Hackable where it was demoed to me just how easy it was to get into a car by basically hijacking the signal between my car's fob and the car itself. But today, we're taking it to the next level. We don't want to just break into a car. We also want to start it and then drive it away. Is it actually as simple as the Gone in 60 Seconds crew made it look? We're about to find out. Welcome to Hackable, an original podcast from McAfee. This computer is on the job around the clock in case of attack. Their principal target is you. The design is complete, but will it work? Shake hands with danger. I'm Jeff Siskin, and I'm here, as always, with Bruce Captain Dynamite Snell. <laughs> How are you, sir? Good. Dynamite. How are Captain you? Dynamite. Now, I have to just tell you a brief story that has nothing to do with what we're doing today, where who Captain Dynamite is in my I'm life. Really I say it with affection. So when I was 13 years old, I went to a minor league baseball game. Okay. And it was, uh, I don't know what baseball, when that's not halftime, but there was some sort of break in the action. <laughs> the seventh inning and stretch. The seventh inning stretch. Thank you very much. And... Out onto the second base, uh, right where the second base is, they carted out what looked like a casket. And okay. this guy, in kind of like um, a low-rent version of Evil Knievel costume, uh-huh. went out there, and he lay down in the coffin, and everyone counted down from 10, and the coffin blew up with him inside it. Oh. And then it was Captain Dynamite. And then later on, you could get Captain Dynamite's autograph, so I actually still have it uh, sitting above my desk as we That's record fantastic. this. And I remember Captain Dynamite, totally deaf from the explosion that just happened, uh, and bleeding ever so slightly Are from you his serious? ear. <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. Uh, and I, 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 so anyway, Captain Dynamite. There you go. Um, but that's not why we're chatting today, Bruce. Uh, <laughs> we, why we're chatting? Be. It should be why we're chatting. That's that's for another podcast. Is is in a few minutes. Uh, we are going to do part two of a our hackable car hacking series, uh-huh. which is not really a series, but because we've done two, I guess <laughs> I guess by virtue it is where uh, a hacker is going to start my car mm-hmm. without a key or without 
uh, Mikey, uh, which apparently is a thing that one can do fairly easily and cheaply. Right, right. I just bought a new car and uh-huh. and it has a car fob and I love it. So there's nothing, basically as long as the car fob is in my pocket, you push the button to start and right. it goes. It does also seem wacky, like other than well, I guess what this hacker is going to show me, like is that an improvement over the key? It wasn't that hard <laughs> to put the key to in. Turn, turn the key it. in. So I will admit, I like the idea of being able to push the button. Like I like the push button start just because it reminds yeah. me of the old Batmobile. You okay, know, for like the oh, old nice. TV show, yep. right? Yes, of course. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm really I I won't even say on the fence. I'm definitely on my side of the fence on this one where I'm not a big fan. I'm not a big fan of the the key fob. I just think it's a, a another security issue waiting to happen. And as we were looking into this, our story producer Pedro Mendez came up with a a wacky story. And this story sounds a little bit like it might have been an episode of The X-Files. But Last spring, in a suburb of Cleveland, everybody's car fobs stopped working. A mysterious frequency was jamming the signal, and nobody Ah. knew where it was coming from. Was it a secret government conspiracy? Was it aliens? (laughs) Our story producer, (laughs) Pedro Mendez, investigated, and here's what he found. One morning last spring, as Dan D'Alessandro was getting ready for work, he switched on the news. And they ran a story about the city of North Olmstead, which is only a few miles from here, and it's the city that I grew up in. And the councilman was on there talking about this strange phenomena on this street where people were not able to open their car doors with their key fob. It turns out that for several weeks, people living in a certain part of this Cleveland suburb weren't able to lock and unlock their cars with their fobs. The authorities had investigated Cable TV and electric companies had sent experts. They'd even shut down the power. And yet car fobs still didn't work. And then I thought about it for a while, and that's only a couple miles from me, so I was giving some thought to seeing if I could go track down what it was. Here's the thing you should know about Dan. He's not just a good Samaritan. He's a ham radio operator and part-time TV technician. He knows about signals, the kind of signals that could be at work here. So first, he figured out what frequency car fobs operate on, 350 megahertz. And I put a little antenna on my uh, piece of equipment and pushed my key fob, and there I heard it. And it makes a little little bleep. So Dan packed all his equipment into his van to head off for North Olmsted to see if he could find the mystery frequency. There was only one problem. He had to get his daughter to soccer practice. Could he find the frequency between dropping her off and picking her back up again. That was Dan's mission. So I dropped her off and I got on the highway and it was like 15 minutes to the, to the site. So as soon as I got off the highway and I got within maybe less than half a mile, maybe a quarter mile from that street, I started hearing a noise. Dan drove around the neighborhood for a while until he figured out the signal was coming from one specific street. So he switched from a large antenna on the outside of his van to a smaller one on his passenger seat. Its limited range could help Dan pinpoint the signal. And now I'm going up and down the street, uh, which is, you know, not a very long street. And now the signal is going up and down, and now I can see where it's peeking out. So then I come within a couple of houses, and I can't completely tell right now whether it's on my left side, whether it's on my right side, or where it's coming from. So then I took off that antenna, and I put a paper clip in it, which, again, reduced the sensitivity to my equipment. And then I determined which house it was coming from. Dan had done it. He'd found the source of the disturbance. 
But now he had two problems. What if there was something nefarious going on? Not aliens or anything like that, but who knows? It could be some form of terrorism, some kind of dangerous hacker. And more importantly, he only had 30 minutes left until he had to head back to soccer practice. So I called the police. When the police arrived, Dan explained the situation and then took off to pick up his daughter. And I didn't hear anything. And uh, then Saturday morning, um, I did watch the news and they did have a press conference that said that they located the, the source. And that's when Dan found out what had caused all these problems in the first place. The person living in the house Dan pinpointed had built himself a sort of alarm system. Every time someone entered, a light would turn off. The problem is, the contraption worked at 350 megahertz, the car fob frequency. But why hadn't the full power shutdown of the area worked? The alarm system was battery powered. I found it because, uh, you know, the, the, new, the newer technicians with cellular and everything that's kind of point to point, nobody really tracks down things anymore. And when I was a kid and I was in CB, you know, I knew how to track down signals. That's how I found it was using actually old school equipment and old school methods. And that was it. So that was Pedro Mendez uh, telling us this crazy story. That's a cool story. I know, and it goes to show you, it just takes one crazy inventor to ruin a whole <laughs> neighborhood's uh, car fobs. I, that's not an expression, so I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah, as the old expression goes. As the old expression goes. Uh, all right, Bruce, now yep. is the moment of truth. Uh-huh. Uh, I am going to get on an airplane and fly to the capital of Canada, Ottawa, Ontario. Okay. I knew that. Uh, get in a rental car and drive to hacker Tim Martin's house, where he has promised to show me how he can drive away in my rental car without <laughs> uh, without my car fob or or car Fantastic. key or whatever. So that's a thing, and I will uh, I will talk <laughs> to you when I'm done if all goes well. Good luck. Tim Martin, welcome back to Hackable. Thank you very much. We were here a couple years ago, and I showed up uh, at your home in in beautiful Ottawa, Ontario, mm-hmm. and I had a rental car. And you were able to clone my little clicker thing. I'm sure there's a more technical name for it than that. <laughs> and and get into my car. Yep. And today, uh, I rented another car because you have promised me that not only can you get into it, but you can actually, you can drive the damn thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm curious. Once again, much like last time, I've gotten uh, all the insurance that money can buy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hopefully, the rental car company is not listening to this. Um, and so... You know, we don't need to get into too many details on on part one, but I'd love you to do the entire thing where you get into my car and yep. then uh, and then show me that you can drive it away. All right, cool. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll do I guess a rehash of our our first episode. If people want to hear, I guess what's part one of this episode? It's season two, episode one. The episode's called Keyless Entry, and yep. you can hear a longer explanation of what Tim is going to do. So show me again how we get into my car. All right, cool. So I've got my laptop here with my crazy radio dongles, which yes. seem to be my namesake nowadays. <laughs> Very nice. So, so it's 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 a thing sticking out of your USB port and has a little antenna on it. Yep. It looks like a weird microchippy thing. Okay, cool. So if you want to go ahead and, you know, lock and unlock your car for me real quick. Okay. And then uh, lock it again, of course. Okay, hold on. Okay, so I have, I have, I have locked it and I have unlocked it. All right, cool. So now I'm going to hit the enter key on my keyboard. And hey, it's open again. Look at that, neat. <laughs> so you, uh, you know, even though I saw this the first time, uh, it never fails to delight me. So, so, and just to rehash, you intercepted uh, 
one of my clicking on my little thing. Yeah, <laughs> my, so we did. What, what is this called? Right. The car fob. That's what the it's called. Fob, right, so yeah. I clicked on my car fob, and using a roll jam attack, you captured one of Correct, the... Correct, yeah. So I, I both jammed the radio signal that's specific for this model of car, um, and then I captured your incoming unlock command. I held on to it, and then you hit the unlock command again because you realized it didn't work the first time. Yes. And then I sent the first one, but I held on to the second one so I could use that later when I wanted to get in. Okay. And yeah. so now you can get into my car. Yep. All right. So now... I guess let's get in my car and let's see part two. So we're now in my car. Yep. It's really hot in here. I think I think last time we were doing this it was really freaking cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what do we what do we do? So I've got this weird looking device here. Okay, and it looks like a I don't even know what the hell it looks like. It looks like a giant, the world's biggest remote control that your grandparents would have had for their television in nineteen sixty two. Yeah, that's a good uh, description. <laughs> with, sure. a, with a little screen on top. Uh, and a bunch of buttons and arrows and a number pad. Yeah, so this is a, a key programmer. Okay. Uh, this isn't a legitimate one. I bought this off of uh, some scary Chinese website. Okay. Um, for about a hundred bucks. Okay, and there, there's a cable at the end. Yeah. Which uh, also looks like a big scary cable. Where? What does that do? So this is I'm going to plug this right into your car. Really? And then I'm going to program this key I've got. I guess. Here we go. So this isn't an actual key that works with your car yet. Um, you know, I can press the buttons on here. It doesn't do anything, right? Okay. Um, so I'm going to tell the car this is a legitimate key now. Okay. Even though, you know, I haven't any authority to do so, whatever. Um, so normal car manufacturers have devices like this that look yeah. much better, but they cost upwards of thousands of dollars. You need to be like a licensed locksmith, that kind of stuff to own them. Um, you know, I bought this using my credit card. How much was it? About a hundred bucks. Really? Yeah. So... That's so interesting. And then I guess, I don't know that I want the answer to this, but who's the market for these cheap key programmers? Uh, not nice people is, okay. is the way to put it. <laughs> okay. But it's but anyone with a credit card yeah. can get one of these things. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's some people buying them legitimately, you know, some mechanic shops who don't want to pay the ridiculous amount of money because yeah. not every day you need to reprogram a key like this. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of a high upfront cost. So, and where do you get these blank key fobs from? Uh, you could buy them directly from the manufacturer a lot of the time. Uh, you could probably just go to like a, a car dealership okay. and just pick one up. No, n normally no questions asked. You know, you just got to pay for the money, obviously, for the key fob. And can like, could you get a key fob that works and just reprogram it using this? Yeah, that's what we're gonna do right now. Really? Yeah. Okay. So you and do you do you just have a bunch of these? Uh, I ordered one specifically because you did tell me what car you were bringing ahead of time. Okay. Um, so I made sure to grab. Some of that would work, but yeah, normally you know they cost about twenty to thirty bucks. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. So, okay. one hundred thirty dollar hack, free car. Okay. So now we're in my car, uh, yeah. and you have your machine, mm -hmm. and then so are you gonna like, hook it up? So All I'm right. gonna plug this into your car's OBD port. Okay. Um, anybody who's a car savvy person would know the OBD port is normally used by you know dealerships or mechanics to do maintenance on your car's computer. This is basically a, a straight way line to your car's computer to oh, tell okay. it stuff. Um, so I, I like I live uh, somewhere where they have to do you know every few years a thing to check to make sure your car's not polluting, and they mm -hmm. plug in this thing and do diagnostics. Is it the same? Yep. It's like the diagnostic port. Yeah, I guess so. Um, okay. You know, I'm not a supercar mechanic guy, so I don't know all of its uses. But yeah, mostly a diagnostics port, kind of a troubleshooting thing, yeah. but also how to how to fix your car's internal computer if it's got an issue. And your your specialty is just stealing cars. That's right. Yeah, yeah. just stealing the cars. Yeah. Okay. If they uh, break, I can't help. I'm sorry. Okay. So uh, you're gonna plug this in and just like you know, it is a rental. Uh, uh, will this break the car? Hopefully not. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, well, let's, you know what? 
let's do it anyway. All right, cool. There okay. we go. All right, so we'll put it in here. Okay, so you are just plugging it. And this is a port. It's sort of, uh, I guess, under, you so know, up, up the steering the, wheel. Yeah, up by your um, uh, your brake pad here. Okay, so there's, uh, okay, so you're down there and you're you're plugging this thing in? Yeah. Plugged it in. You've hit program program new key. So now, so now what, do you, what do you do with this? How do you program a new key? So it just kind of sees that, because uh, the key has a little radio uh, frequency device in it. Okay. Um, and it can see there's one in the vicinity. Yeah. And so I just have to authorize this one that we've got, which, you know, there's there's the one that you've already got and that's in there. And now I've got the second one that I've got. And so we'll allow that one to be what's considered a, uh, a usable key with the car. Okay. Yeah. And now, now what do you do? Now we've got the screen on. So okay. we need to go and uh, select the correct model of car. Which the best part about this is really good tactile feedback on the buttons. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, it's very it's, loud. It is very loud, yeah. If you're trying to do this sneakily. And let's hit enter for program new key. So you're... you're wait a second. So will my old key still work? Yeah. It, it's just adding another key on. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Otherwise, I don't know why I'm getting back to the airport. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So you are programming a new key. Yep. And then, then what happens? Oh, well, we're just going to press the go button on your car and see what happens. Oh, my God. Would you like to go for a joyride, Mr. Jeff? I guess so. <laughs> no, maybe I don't. Hold on. So, so I'm just, I'm a little bit gobsmacked. So within not very much time, mm -hmm. you got into my car using the, the roll jam. And then using this device you got for a hundred bucks and the key you got for, you know, not very much more, you have everything you need to start my car. Yep. That's amazing. I know, right? It's terrifying. It is terrifying. Do people know about this? Yep. Is anyone doing anything about this? Not really. Uh, I mean, it's hard to because, I mean, this device is, is programmed with either illegal software that was pirated yeah. um, from the actual legitimate devices or someone figured out what, you know, whatever the secret codes are and the handshakes for the computer to recognize this device to program keys to it. Okay. Um, it's pretty hard to retroactively, as a car manufacturer, go back and fix all that. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of a going forward thing that they've mostly fixed, hopefully. Um, but I mean, there's a lot of videos out there of people doing similar stuff to this, of stealing very expensive cars and, you know, chop them up for bits or shipping them overseas somewhere where people don't ask as many questions about how you're selling a hundred thousand dollar car for $20,000. Yes. So, you know, it's a big deal. <laughs> well, and, and I guess, you know, if these devices were dealer owned and cost thousands, thousands of dollars, you sort of feel like that would be a barrier to entry. But the fact that someone has been able to knock this off and ship it to you. Like, I don't know what they're costing to make it, but the fact that they can end up at your home for a hundred bucks, yeah. including everyone taking a little piece of that, that's the scary part. Yeah, I made a pretty good return on investment, I think, if I sell this car, right? <laughs> um, that's amazing. And I think I think what's amazing about it, it was just how quickly you were able to do it. This was truly, I don't know, it's gone in 60 seconds, but it, was, it wasn't far from that. Yeah, pretty close. <sighs> okay, well... When I return my rental car, will they notice anything's up? Nope. It's just like you've made an additional key. Yep. Amazing. All right. Thank <laughs> you, sir. I appreciate this. No problem, man. I'm back with cybersecurity expert Bruce Snell. So that was crazy. That was... Yep. I think I'm perpetually amazed with hacks like this because it just seems so easy. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting setup, right? Because you could, you know, relay the signal from inside the house and then have your own little, you know, key fob creation kit there uh, once you unlock the door and you're good to go as, as far as a, a thief is concerned. Well, and and 
you know, it made a lot of sense. The current car I have uh, at home uh, mm-hmm. has two fobs. And I'd never thought of this before because the the dealer tried to scare the the heck out of me and says like, like don't lose these fobs because it's super expensive. Right. I, I never thought that if I lost my fobs, my car wouldn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. But the fact that the machine to program a new fob, you can buy for a hundred bucks. And there's certainly no reason that that shouldn't be available other right. than the fact that it just seems crazy that it is available. Yeah, and and it's interesting because there's there's been legislation around giving people access to that port or not. You know, I, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but I was actually running a team seven years ago, maybe, that was looking in heavily into hacking automobiles. Okay. Um, and so there's a lot you can do plugging into that port. Um, okay. I, I actually I actually used the the knowledge I gained there to reprogram my my current vehicle at the time so that it got better gas mileage and had a little more oomph. But, um, but there's a lot that you can do in there with, with access to that ODB port to the point where there's actually been attempts to regulate the ability to have the customer have access to that. And how would they have the customer not have access to it? I, you know, I mean, I'm assuming you could set up it so that, you know, you had to have an authorized dongle or something to to plug in. Or maybe, okay. you know, once you plugged it in, you had to enter in a specific dealer ID or something along those lines. There, there would be oh, ways to do it. Um, but the the overall goal was to make sure that, you know, people couldn't actually access it. But But again, that's, you know, from my perspective, if I bought the car, I should be able to do whatever I want to with it, right? Yeah. And because of that, these ports remain open and people can still access those ODB ports. So can you do anything to protect yourself from this? So this one's a sticky one, Jeff. I think okay. the the protection for this is just all about access and awareness. Okay. Right? So look for, you know, make sure there's not some shady guy sitting, in, <laughs> you know, in a car with a, you know, an antenna pointed at you or, or, or what have okay. you, um, as you're going in and using, using your key fob. Uh, cause this one is just a, it's a core vulnerability of the architecture itself. Okay. And is something that needs to really be addressed by the manufacturer. Um, this isn't something I think that, you know, any, a consumer can fix. You can do things to protect your key while it's at rest, but if you're actively using it and they're intercepting it while you're using it, then that's that's a really difficult thing to protect against. Uh, oh, okay. So that's one where you just have to be aware um, and make sure that you know you you don't see anybody suspicious trying to to sniff your your code. Right. Um, that's really the only way to go about it. It's it's a it's a really kind of sticky situation. Huh. So. We like to give people hope, but you're not giving me any hope. <laughs> um, so yeah, unfortunately, I, I don't know that I have a good uh, a good fix for this one. This is this is one of those things where I think awareness is key. Um, where just being a, a smart consumer and a smart user of this product, product being the key the key fob and the, the car itself, um, is you just need to be aware and be vigilant um, as you're as you're using this device. Okay, so and I, now I, this, I always hate to not I know. have an uplifting. So, so, so I guess I, here's answer. the part where then I repeat it. So I, I guess uh, I guess if I have the straight lookout for uh, shady, suspicious people in your driveway, <laughs> yeah. and short of that, good luck. <laughs> that sort of it. <laughs> well, I mean, think about it. It's like you know when ATM cards first came out, 
Everybody yeah. was just punching in their their pin number willy nilly with with no concern. But now, you know, think about every time you go to an ATM, you see a little sign that says, you know, cover your hand yes. while you're in yes. your pin number, right? So yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I think it's one of those. It's just a behavioral modification that we need to do. Um, okay. And make sure that you know we're just aware of our surroundings when we're using this key to to get in and out of our car. Okay. Well, you have given me really no hope, but I but I appreciate <laughs> you as always. Uh, and we will put up more information because this is, I know, a meaty topic and we get uh, a lot of people uh, calling and writing in about uh, car hacking. So there's yeah. a lot of interest in it. We're going to put up a bunch of stuff uh, on our website at hackablepodcast.com. And if you are interested in car hacking, uh, have ideas for other car hacks, or have questions for Bruce about car hacking, and I personally have like a lifetime of questions for you about car <laughs> hacking, so you can call our hackable hotline, and uh, we will try and answer your questions. And the number there is one eight five five four, which is the number four hackable. And again, that's one eight five five four hackable. Once again, this is Bean Hackable, an original podcast by McAfee. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you, Jeff. All right, take care. See ya.